Hey y'all, this episode of the Red Wine Rodeo Wipe is brought to you by Align and Move Chiropractic. Dr. Kruger specializes in family wellness and sports injuries, so head on over to our Instagram or our Facebook to find your way to Align and Move Chiropractic. Hey y'all, it's the Red Wine Rodeo Wife, and I'm here with Katie Schaefer. Keep in mind that we have six children in between us, and they could come in at any moment, so. We have seven, but one's very well behaved. One is at the moment <laughs> very well behaved at the moment, at least in the noise department. But I see them out there now playing softball, so I think we're good. Yeah. Until somebody gets hit in the head. (laughs) It's okay. Okay. I am so excited to do this. So one of the main reasons that I started this was because of my friend Katie. Because I think that she is the epitome of a rodeo wife for several reasons. Number one, she's literally been doing it since she was 18. A very long time. I also feel like I know her husband very well. I've known him as long as I've known her, and I have watched this from afar. And she was in our wedding. I was in your wedding. I forget (laughs) that. And Courtney was too. And Courtney. Oh, and that picture. I do love that picture. So good. Here they come. They knew this was going to happen. Um. Anyway. I started, when I started thinking about doing this, I immediately thought of Katie because she is so much more than a regular rodeo wife. She wrangles three children by herself like 80% of the time, a lot of the time, because you don't go full time. Uh, you've been doing this since you were 18. <laughs> it's already starting. Don't, don't. You can go get her. And, um, but Katie does so much more. So she was one of the top producers in Rodan and Fields, which has helped them financially so much through all of their rodeo career. She also trains horses. She is a top hand with a horse, with a rope. Uh, And then the three girls are just phenomenal. So, but let's get into it. Like, Let's hear about the beginning of your life. Where are you from? So we beat bop back and forth between Texas and Florida um, pretty much my whole life. I was born in Florida um, when I was around eight months old. Um, my twin brother and I were eight months old. We um, moved to Texas and were there until right before we went into first grade. Um, and then We moved back to Texas the summer before sixth grade, and I've been here ever since, but my parents moved back to Florida. Um, My dad has always been heavily involved in the racehorse industry. Um, He loves to team rope, has always kind of had a dream of being a really good team roper, um, but he has um, incredible talent with thoroughbreds. Um, He trained thoroughbreds for a while, and then went to what we call pin hooking, where he would buy them as weanlings and sell them as yearlings. And so he had some of his own that he bought and sold, but he really um, sold a bunch on consignment. Uh, My mom is um, 
currently a real estate agent in Florida. Okay, but she's not just a real estate agent. She's now a broker. She is a broker. And she literally started this later in life. And it has had insane success because she's Florida and now Oklahoma. That's right. So she, my mom's a boss lady. Like anything that she ever. She's also raised like. There's five of us. Five. There's five kids. Okay. Um, she technically raised six. Um, so before she married my dad, she in her previous marriage, she had a stepson and then had my two oldest brothers and sister, brother and sister, um, and then married my dad and had three more kids who are my twin brother and my older brother, Tyler. Um, and they, uh, so mom now, so originally she has had like a million businesses and I still, every time I talk to her, discover another business that she started and was awesome at and she... Well, now that I live in Bastrop, which people laugh when I call it South Texas, but to <laughs> me it is South Texas, but everybody like... I mean, I, because I feel like I, I mean, I do know you really well. I've known you for like 11 years, but when I talk about your mom, yeah, she did all kinds of stuff. She did. So she owned a, um, an embroidery business for several years, which was kind of the first business that I knew of her having um, that was, she was extremely successful with. And then when we moved back to Texas um, the last time, she dabbled in a few things, but kind of struggled to find something that was really hers. We kind of lived way out in the boondocks. There wasn't just um, a lot of things that she could start up. So she tried to do a few things remote and just never really found anything that was her thing. So when they moved to Florida after I graduated, she um, had always wanted to be a real estate, real estate agent. So she got a real estate, real estate license. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say real estate license and then a couple of years later got her broker's license or however you yeah. say that um and i think she has something like 13 or 14 brokers or i mean agents underneath her right now are working with her and then she started her brokerage in oklahoma where my brother my twin brother is a real estate agent um and has been extremely successful very very successful um it's been cool to watch her too because like you said it's pretty late on in her life and she is just blowing it out of the water. Yeah, she's very successful. Um, my sister and her husband James live in Austin, so they're kind of close to us in Heiko. Um, she's 12 years older than I am. We're the bookends. I'm the last one. She's the first one. So I didn't, she was always extremely caring for us. Um, she was kind of the babysitter the whole, our whole life. Um, but it's been truly an honor in my life to get to know her in my adult life and as a mother and just as a woman. Um, and she's my best friend now. And then uh, my oldest brother, he lives in Colorado with his wife and their son, Beckham. And they are doing really, really great. He works for Lockheed Martin. Um, and actually, Robin um, has a real estate license, but I don't you know. You married them. Yeah, I married them. I forgot that. I did marry them. That was really cool. And again, one of the greatest honors of my life was um, my brother asked me to wed them or marry them at their wedding. And so I did. And it was really cool. I felt really cool. It was a very pretty wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. It was one of the most beautiful weddings I've been to. Um, and then my, um, I guess, the second oldest brother, Tyler, he lives here in Heiko. Um, he's really good team roper very talented at building just about anything um yeah he makes beautiful barns beautiful barns he's built all the barns and pens and arenas on this place um 
and again, very talented with a rope. And then Austin and his wife, Gatlin, and their two kids, Smith and Lively, live in Oklahoma. But first they lived in LA where they were models they and actors. They had the funniest YouTube show they ever. They really did. Roommates. Roommates. So Austin and Gatlin both. Gatlin was in Heroes Reborn, which was a pretty big hit for her, um, or for anybody really. And then Austin um, had a few uh, jobs as well that were that went pretty good. So he was in a movie that was in theaters, um, The Ultimate Gift. Or I'm sorry, The Ultimate Life, which was a prequel to The Ultimate Gift. And then it was kind of interesting because he and Gatlin played in a movie together where they were dating. And then he ended up trying to kill her in the movie. So it was a little oh, weird. Nice. But <laughs> it, was, it was great. But yeah, they recently moved out to Tulsa, um, kind of wanted to slow down and get back to their roots a little bit, and they're doing really well there. Like I said, he's a real estate agent there, and is um, very Is successful. her family from Tulsa? Why did yes. we pick Tulsa? Yes, okay. her family is from Tulsa, so they moved back that way with their fam. And oh, and they have precious twins with the most beautiful names. What are their Smith names? Smith and Lively. Yes. And they're the most precious things ever. A boy ever. and a girl. I just melt every time I talk to them. I, I melt. just love their names. Yeah. I'm a name person, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, so that's kind of, we beatbought back and forth. We lived in South Texas um, until I met Justin or until I went to college down there. Um, kind of fast forwarding to where Justin and I met. Um, we were both in high school. I think we were sophomores and we had run into each other at a rodeo. I actually was saying hello to his friend that I was pretty good friends with. And I walked up to him, and I was like, hey, Jarrett, and I gave him a hug, and then Justin was right there. So Jarrett like, knew. It was Jarrett and him. And so Justin was right there. So, I mean, I thought it was to mitigate the awkwardness, but I probably made it more awkward. I was like, oh, hi, I'm Katie, and I gave him a hug. And supposedly after that, it was game over for him. He was in <laughs> love, and, you know, here we are, sophomores. Um, he went, and wherever he went that night, he got me a T-shirt and brought it back. And we, um, we stayed pretty good friends for years. And then finally, our senior year um, at state, I was like, "Hey, um, why don't we like, why don't we like date?" <laughs> For real. And, and then we kind of decided it wasn't gonna work um, because you know we're 18 and live eight hours apart and are going our separate ways. I was supposed to play golf in college and had a um, almost full ride. I was a couple thousand short of a full ride to um, Incarnate Word in San Antonio. And he had committed to... Um, gave all that up for Justin Schaefer. <laughs> gave all of it up for Justin Schaefer. <laughs> he came to my house and swept me off my feet, and so we went to Southwest Texas Junior College together. <laughs> there is a kid that comes over and vlogs at the house that just accepted he's going to school there, and all I could think about the other day when his mom was telling me that, I was like, oh, I know some kids that went to school there. <laughs> so we did. We went to, um, we went to college together together. Um, Pretty much knew, I mean, as well as an 18, two 18-year-olds could know that we were going to get married. Um, and then right before our first year of college was over, I found out I was pregnant with Blakely. I remember this very well. Because <laughs> you even had Courtney, and I was obsessed with Courtney. She I had Courtney. She was the cutest thing. And I think I was pregnant with Ryan. Yes. And I remember you saying at Huntsville Pro Rodeo, that you wanted a baby, and I was like, "Dude, you're crazy." <laughs> I did, and I things are a hit, lot I of work. So we um, we moved up to East Texas, where Justin was from. Um, lived kind of by his family. 
Um, Justin was already doing the rodeo thing. He went to one semester of college, decided it wasn't for him. Um, so he, after the first semester of college, kind of went to rodeo in full time. And I stayed there, finished out the second semester, went and enrolled in. Um, well, first East we had Texas. the wedding. Oh, yeah, we got married. Beautiful wedding at your grandparents. <laughs> um, what was that called? So we got married at our ranch there in Tarpley in the, in the middle of the hill country, and it really was beautiful. And then my grandma had a bar and dance hall up the hill from it where It was a big wedding. Was. There were so many people there. It was there. huge. There was, I'm, I want to say, and I, I hate to like overshoot it and be dramatic, but there was probably 350, 400 people there. A lot of people. huge. Um, but my, yeah, my grandma had a bar and dance hall there, and so that's where we had our reception, and it was really great. It was very <laughs> memorable wedding. And then we moved to East Texas. He rodeoed. I enrolled in a college up there. In December, I had Blakely. I worked the whole time I was pregnant. Um, I worked at a vet clinic. And I, I worked until it made clients uncomfortable that I was scrubbing hops <laughs> when I, like, my belly was almost touching the ground. It was, I'd squat down and they'd be like, oh my gosh, can she get up? <laughs> So um, after we had Blakely, I did not go back to work at the vet clinic, um, but Justin, you know, took that winter, kind of thought, I don't know if I need to rodeo, I need to, you know, make money for my family, and so he went to work, kind of kind of day working for a guy that owned a land and bridge company, and after that, he wanted to chase his dreams, and I was fully supportive of it, so it all kind of seems like a blur now, but those first two years were kind of rough, just trying to figure out what we were going to do as far as like how we were going to keep them on the road. Um, it's expensive. Holly, it's expensive, <laughs> especially when you have a baby too, which thankfully we had so much support from both of our families. Um, I don't know how people that don't have oh, supportive families do it. Like I'm trying to think of people in my head right now that don't. I know there's a bunch of them that I don't know how. No, it, it's insane. And, it, and it's funny to me now too that we're older just gosh I, I I don't know how we made it when we first started it was it was insane just how um how crazy it all evolved and how it evolved and like we would go to Guyman I, I remember this we went to Guyman and we bought a hotel room because at the time we didn't have a horse trailer couldn't afford a horse trailer so we stayed in a hotel room and I just thought it was the best thing in the world that we got to go with Justin um, and you know, this is what rodeo wives do. And we, had, it, this hotel room was awful. I accidentally booked a smoking hotel room. So Ew. it smelled awful. And <laughs> like looking back at it, I'm like, oh my gosh. this. And in Guyman, Oklahoma, like, there's, there's, there's there. not a good hotel room there. Nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing to book. But. That's hilarious. I was actually just today on my memories. It was Guyman from COVID year where they had Guyman now. Yeah. Or Guyman is now, or it's in May. Okay, but so, one year they had it in August, right? Yes. It was the hottest right. place I've ever been on my life. Yes. Okay, so when y'all decided that this was gonna be your life, this is when you started selling Rodan and Fields, and it like kind of saved your life. <laughs> it really did. So um, we were about a year into being married I guess maybe a little over a year because Blakely was around six or eight months old and I had to do something you know there wasn't for one 
there wasn't much of an income for us besides just in rodeoing. But on another note too, we, I, I am the type of person that has to feel like I am contributing. I, I want to be able to get stuff done. I want to be accomplished. I, I don't like to just sit back and let somebody else do it for me. Or well, and just having your bills me. paid every month is a sigh of relief. Yes. So I had, um, actually, it was kind of funny how this worked out as well, but my, so right now, my sister-in-law's mom, um, before her and my brother even started dating, she reached out to me um, and told me about Rodan and Fields, which is a skincare company that at the time was fairly new. So this was back in 2013, or 14, I believe. These are the doctors of the ELAT. Did They were proactive, right? They created proactive, um, and they were kind of wanting to broaden beyond acne, um, and they were obviously very successful. I was going to say, proactive. it was really good. Yeah, they, they, it was sold in, you know, 120 countries around the world, like just super, super successful, but they, they weren't, allowed within their company or with proactive nobody wanted them to expand beyond acne they were like this is your target market stay in it and so they built rodan and fields with their that's their last names it's katie rodan and kathy fields and they um put their name on the brand they were proud of it they wanted to do you know a skincare brand or a skincare regimen for every you know skincare concern um and so they started rodan and fields um, decided they wanted to put the company or you know the sales in the hands of the consumers so that there wasn't a middleman. They could cut out the middleman. They could just you know make people money while also selling their product. And so they they um, turned it into a multi-level marketing company. I know everybody's like, <gasps> oh my god. Okay, but I will say that I think that it is the one of those kind of businesses that I actually don't mind buying from because the product is amazing. Right. Like, it's not bullshit. Right. It's good. So that was the, the, what attracted me to it was that it was. It, was, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't crap products. They weren't trying to trap you into anything that makes you buy a bunch. It was, these are the products. We know they work. Here's a 60-day money-back guarantee in case they don't. And if you want to make money selling it, go ahead. If not, use the products, love the products. We won't tie you into it. Um, and that was comfortable for me, not only hoping that they would work for me, but also feeling comfortable enough to present it to my friends and family and saying, hey, do you want to try this? Because I think it works and I think you'll really like it. Um, I didn't feel like I was, you know, trying to trick anybody into getting a product that I wasn't sure was a legit product. Um, so that was back in 2014. So I've been doing it almost, what is it, almost nine years, eight or nine years? A long time. Yeah, so. And actually, like, it, like, literally, like, it carried paid. Job. Oh, yeah, so for several years, um, probably two or three years, I worked really, really hard on it. Um, I built an incredible team. It paid our bills for many, many months. And like you said earlier, the peace of mind of just covering the basic bills, that, that was that felt like an, a huge accomplishment for me. And so anytime Justin won something, we were able to either save it or, you know, put it towards something else we needed rather than just, you know, the day-to-day -day bills. Um, at the time, he was working, he was still circuit rodeoing and stuff, but he was working under a um, cutting horse trainer. And so every day he'd wake up at 5.30 in the morning 
and he would drive 70 miles one way to this guy's house and he would work all day long and then he would go from there to Sky Ranch and Van which is about maybe probably 10 or 15 miles further and he would bulldog until 8 or 9 o'clock he would drive all the way back home and do it again the next day and it was five days a week every day for almost two years that he did this and I wish I could go back and tell my younger self to appreciate it to appreciate it that he was he was gaining so much knowledge from this man um, that it was it was something that you know he was getting paid to be there but he should have been paying him to be there because he was learning so much um, and then not and then perfecting his craft and it was watching him grind like that was what in the later years of our marriage encouraged me to hang on because I knew, knew how committed he was to his dream and I knew all the work that he put into it um, and that he deserved to be out there as long as he respected me while he was out there. So that was, I guess that kind of leads into, you know, like the turning point, I guess, for our marriage because about four years in it was like, okay, it's either going to be me or Rodeo, pick one because I can't handle it. Well, getting married when you're 18 is... <laughs> there's a lot of growth between there's a lot 18 of and 29. <laughs> growth there without also trying to rodeo, I yeah. think. Like, it's a whole different ballgame. Yes. There was a lot of growing for us to do. And thankfully, we were saved by affection and just blind love for each other. And I actually was thinking about that the other day. Like, there was no way we would have made it had we not been just absolutely crazy about each other. Um... But yeah, so I get, we got married when we were 19, and then we spent those few years kind of grinding it out, and then he kind of finally got out there on the road and was doing well, and we were like, okay, okay, now what, what's this going to look like for the next 15 years for us? Like, am I going to sit here worried sick about you every day of the week, or, you know, what's going to give? And there was a few things that he, he didn't do wrong, but it was just things that made me uncomfortable or people that he, he was around that made me feel uncomfortable. And at the time, I felt psycho having issues with it or I felt crazy for... Well, you're always going to be made to feel that way when somebody's around somebody that they... you It's toxic. Yes. It, yeah. And, and not that... And I hate saying that because I don't want to say the people he was around were intentionally toxic, but it just wasn't a good situation. Well, and he was still... He was a 22-year-old Immature, I was going to say. 22, <laughs> yeah. married. Like, people people don't even think about it. No. Maybe was, they weren't even doing it on purpose. Well, exactly. And there was... So, and, you know, he hangs out with guys his age that are single, and, you know, it's a whole lot different. And then he would hang out with the married guys, and it was like, wait, what? You're 22? Um... So anyway, we had kind of a sit-down talk, and I was like, these are the things I expect of you as a man and as my husband and as a father to our, I think that at that time we were starting to get, maybe I was pregnant with Abilene, and Abilene's our second one, so we have three kids. I was going to say, yeah, we're like adding kids to Sorry. this at the same <laughs> so time. So Blakely was our first. We had her when I was 19, and then um, Abilene came three and a half years later, and Ellie is our last one that um, was born in December of 2018. My wedding day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good thing, I didn't, good thing I didn't show up there. Katie was supposed to be at my wedding, too, because I couldn't be, I'm just not that patient. But she actually went into labor on my wedding day. And it made me feel a lot better because I was pretty. I felt really guilty for not being there. I was like, oh, okay. I felt really guilty for going ahead and planning it, but I really just couldn't wait. No. I really wanted a baby. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I understand. 
But anyway, so Justin, he changed a bunch of things, and he kind of changed, I don't want to say he changed the way he acted, because he was never disrespectful. It was just things that I needed to see in him to make me feel more at ease. Um, and so moving past that, I rodeoed in high school, and I rodeoed in college, um, and I was struggling with who I was as far as like my identity and who well and also if you have to think about it is not you were so young he was out there getting to chase his dreams which is exactly what you wanted him to do but you're at home and you're having to watch it from afar and it's like oh cool here i am with two babies trying to hold all this down right and you're just out there and at the time finances still weren't great <laughs> and you feel that way no matter what yeah. age your husband is rodeoing much less in your early 20s early 20s right because not only that like i see him out having fun with his guy friends and then i see the people who are supposed to be my friends you know enjoying their single life and i'm like oh, okay where where do i fit in here you know where what what it's weird and so um I was, and again, I was struggling with, you know, not being able to rope as much. I was obviously very busy with my kids. Um, so that was just, it's kind of funny recalling all that because I, I kind of for, forget about that period of our well, life. And at that time, like when you say you're busy with kids, you're busy with kids who are crawling around on the floor. You're not busy with kids who are playing softball or roping themselves or whatever. Right. Like you're stuck you're in tied, a house. Yes, to, to house. Yes. yes. Which, thankfully, we lived right next door to his parents and his sister. And so it was good that we could get our kids to go play with his sister's kids. And then we could go visit um, his parents multiple times throughout the day. Um, so that, that really probably saved us tremendously. Um, was just being right there with them. Um, but, and then as we got older and he kept rodeoing, he um he's had quite a bit of success um he's probably and i hope i'm not wrong in saying this or, or saying this um i don't think it should be offensive in any way but he's probably one of the most decorated steer wrestlers going right now who hasn't made the finals right um he's won cheyenne he's won um, the days of 47, he's won the Texas Circuit Finals, the Ram National Circuit Finals, he's won the Houston Super Shootout, like definitely has earned his his spot out there um, as far as being out there and being one of the top guys. Well, and I think that that actually says a lot to his character as like a steer wrestler and, you know, Yes, obviously the goal is to make the finals. We're all aware of that. But it just, because he has worked so hard at it and he is so successful, like it's like you don't want to say that he's not successful. Right. But like there's no, there's, no, there's no time in our relationship where I was like, hey, this just isn't working. Like I don't know if you're going to make it because he not only is extremely successful and talented and I think he, he should be there every year, but he's proven himself in multiple situations that he should be, except for actually making it. But, um, yeah, there's no, he, he, I, I, in my eyes, he is a very, very successful steer wrestler. So it makes it easier for me to make sacrifices as far as being home um, and ha having him be gone. 
And when you've done it for this long, you understand at this point that it is about so much more. Yes. We were just saying before we started this about not seeking validation anywhere else besides in God. And I think that that is like a big thing here with this. So that gives me goosebumps that you just said that because like probably two, two and a half, three years ago, I, I was kind of at my wit's end with the, it's not ever like a point in your marriage where you, or at least in ours, where you like figure it out and it's like, okay, this is easy and it's going to stay easy. You know, we go in like in cycles of, you know, I'll get into that a little bit later because I think, I think it's important for people to hear, but there was a time where I was praying and I was like, God, what, what, what do I need to do? What does he need to stay out there? You know, like what's the point? What's, what's the end like game? For us? Yeah. And like as clear as day, I could hear him say it's more than just bulldogging. And to hear you say that, I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. Um, but it's more than bulldog. And he, he, he is, um, I think, a, a leader amongst the guys that he's with. Um, and I think it's important that our kids see him chase a dream, but not only, you know, be out there chasing it, but when he comes home, he eats, lives, and breathes it, but then also finds a really good happy medium of eating, living, breathing, bulldogging, but taking his kids with him when he does. And, you know, including them in things. And he is one of the most kind, patient people with kids that I've ever seen and can get things across to them so easily that I'm like, I've been telling them for three days to do this and you did it in two seconds. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. But he um, also expects the best of them. He really does. Yeah, he does. Um but kind of circling back to just the cycles of things. So we, when he was having a lot of success, I kind of tied my worth to his success. It's hard not to. It's hard not to because it feels good when they're winning and it feels good when you're in the spotlight and it feels good to have all these things. Um, and then whenever he was in a low or I was in a low or anything like that, I, I was low and I was trying to figure out how to get, I don't want to I mean, try to get happy again, try to find worth again. And so I, um, which also has a lot to do with who you're keeping around you. Exactly. Like it is a total thing in rodeo where you've got to find your people. And I, over the years have learned that, you know, you can never stay mad at somebody. You can never be mad at somebody because you are either learning from them or with them. Right. And, you know, everybody is on their own path. So we got to stop. I mean, believe me, there are a lot of people that I don't care for. (laughs) But you can't let those bad experiences let you continue to judge those people or what you're trying to accomplish. And so having those, but finding, finally finding the actual, your core people whether you're traveling with them that year or not is like they have similar goals and similar and and want good for you too and like have similar emotions um so that was kind of another turning point in our relationship or in his rodeoing was I had a friend tell me she was like I was you know oh you know I don't love this or I you know he's doing this wrong or whatever and I had all these issues you know and um I had a friend sit me down and say, Katie, I know that you're feeling these things. And like, I get that you're feeling these things, but 
you have to see the truth in them too. So don't discount your emotions. You you have these emotions and they're there and they are real emotions. You are feeling these emotions, but you you got to look at the truth in what's going on. You got to look at the truth in the emotions. You know, okay, so you feel this way that you that you um, you know feel like your husband's doing this or whatever, or he's ignoring you or doesn't miss you or whatever. But the truth of the matter is he's busy. He's out there, you know, trying to stay focused on his job. He's trying to stay focused on, you know, bulldogging. He's worrying about needing to put shoes on this horse or worrying about whether this horse is getting fed properly on the road. And there's all these things. And so when I kind of learned to look at the truth in it, it helped me to grow as a wife and as a supportive wife. Um, but then it also helped me let go of my identity in his bulldogging. Um, and, and learn that I can be myself whether he's successful or not. And so when I also, you know, untied myself from being the successful Justin Schaefer's wife or, or Justin Schaefer's wife or Blakely's mom, Abilene's mom, Ellie's mom, and kind of decided I was going to be my own person, um, it, was, it was good for me but also for Justin because he felt a lot less pressure from me to do well. Um, and I wish we could all figure that out, that if we <laughs> release a little bit of pressure, we all seem to do better. Um, so that's kind of when I started to ride some outside horses and get some things going there, too. Um, but, yeah, there was, there was a lot of growth in that, just looking at the truth in a situation instead of just, you know, reveling in my emotions and not realizing the truth behind it instead of just saying, well, I feel brokenhearted, so that must mean I'm brokenhearted and it's somebody's fault. Well, and, like, did y'all ever have, like, a sit-down together where it was like, okay, this is the bigger picture, this is the end goal now, like, because, I mean, the so, like, with horses, so the gray horse is mm -hmm. obviously very successful, and Justin doesn't even ride him all the time. Like, mm -hmm. other guys ride him, actually, more than Probably more than Justin does, does now, yeah. And, you know, where it's like when y'all decided, okay, well, this is going to be our life, so we're going to have to figure out a way to financially, like, make yeah, this. Yeah, something that's actually, like, lucrative that, you know. Um, so we, when we, were, or when Justin first had the gray horse out there and had some guys wanting to mount out, mount out on him, um, I was pretty high on the whole, let's mount a couple guys out, let's get some good hazing horses going. Um, and for him, I think he was hesitant because he kind of wanted to focus on himself. Um, but there was, there was a conversation about, you know, making sure we had a rig full of good horses, but then also keeping guys on his horses that were going to be beneficial to his horses. Um, keeping guys on them that aren't going to get him ratty in the box, that aren't going to make him, you know, start ducking or anything like that. Um, which is really hard because there will be the nicest guys that you want to mount out, but you're like, I can't. It just doesn't work. I right. can't keep you on my yes, horse. Exactly. And Justin's horses, I think, have, I don't know if they necessarily have a different feel, but Justin is so um, particular about how he wants his horses to feel um, that it's not, he, sometimes it doesn't always benefit him for his performance-wise to put a bunch of guys on there. So it was kind of trying to find a happy medium of, okay, if we can get some guys on your horses, because obviously you make good horses, if you can get some horses in the rig, get some guys on your horses, and let that pay for your rodeoing, and then let your rodeoing, you know, make up 
the make up the difference, there, that would be huge. Um, which we also, we took a couple like financial classes, um, like Dave Ramsey classes and stuff, and it helped us just look at what we were spending um, randomly that helped as far as getting our finances in line. Um, but really just being able to mount some guys out took the pressure off Justin of having to win every time to pay the bills. Yes. And then um, I, I've been pretty blessed to not only have Rodan of Fields for the last eight or nine years, um, but then I rode, rode horses for, have been riding horses for a couple of years, have trained some horses um, to sell. And then I also, I guess about three years ago, started working for his dad's business um, that's a frack sand hauling business. Um, and I, and my title is quality assurance specialist, but basically I look at the hundreds of loads that they, the hundreds of loads that they haul a week and make sure that all of the information on it is correct from dispatch to billing to what the drivers send in and just make sure that it's all good to bill out to um, customers and stuff and just a bunch of numbers really and just cross-referencing and making sure that it's all good. Well, now when y'all, what what prompted this move to Heiko? Because I've been asking you to move to Heiko for like <laughs> yeah, for years, ten years, and then I moved to Bastrop literally um, in the same month that you moved to Heiko. Gosh, so they just knew that they couldn't handle both of us here. <laughs> wouldn't it be awesome? God knew that that just was not no. They they would knew that we wouldn't go hang out with anybody else. We would just be hermits. <laughs> just go. I need no other yourself. friends. <laughs> No, so we, I was scared to death to move to Heiko, um, and my parents had bought a pretty nice place out here um, that was huge, and my, my grandma and my brother lived here, and... Um, well, and your parents originally bought this because that way they could come in from Florida and, like, right, have, have all and of it, y'all. And it was a possibility to, to, for them to keep it, so it was a little bit of an investment opportunity, too, because they got it bought for pretty cheap for what it was. Um, but then they wanted something that if they did decide to move back to Texas, that they could move out here, be out here with all of us, possibly put a house or two on this place for everybody. Um, so they really wanted to keep it, but it, my, my grandpa had passed away a couple years ago. Um, and my and grandpa, it's not a small place, so it's no, like, it's, it doesn't need to be just sitting here. Right. It's a pretty big place. And my brother, he's single, and, you know, he's wanting to go rodeo a little bit and work and everything like that. And my grandma started to lose her eyesight shortly after we lost my pop. So we, um, my mom and dad offered for us to come live out here. Um, and not only would we be helping with Graham, which she helps us more than we help her, I feel, um, and, and kind of hopefully giving Tyler a little bit of relief as far as his responsibilities here. Um, but we, we would also have the benefit of being in a rodeo atmosphere all the time, being close to the jackpots and being close to the rodeos and being more centrally located. Um, and again, I was terrified to move away from Justin's family. Yes, um, because they were, Jerry is. I mean, it was, it was the best support system yeah. ever. Like when I was pregnant with Ellie and Justin was at the finals hazing, um, I had Ellie December 13th. So I think it was like sixth round of the finals. And Jerry wouldn't let me stay at my house. She was like, no, you're going to come up here and I'm going to take care of the two other little girls and you're just going to rest and keep that baby in your belly. And I could not keep her in my belly. <laughs> I had her in the sixth round and Justin had to fly home. 
And that's a story in itself. Poor Justin wanted to hop on the first flight out, but there was one that flew out 45 minutes after that that was about $200 cheaper. So I made him take the 45-minute later one, and he missed the delivery by about 15 minutes. Oh, my God. I was in trouble for that one. But, um, but no, it was very, very hard to leave them and leave my nephews and my sister-in-law. And, um, but it's it, everything kind of fell into place. Justin was extremely supportive of it. Um, he was excited about it. And I can honestly say that we fell in love with Heiko, fell in love with the school, fell in love with living here. Um, it's been a huge blessing, and I probably should not have feared it so much because it was great. Well, God's timing is everything, yes, exactly. so probably worked out in your favor. I do want to say, though, about your grandma. What do you call her? Graham. Graham. Mm-hmm. Do you, I remember this distinctly because I loved it so much. Whenever she loaded up with you and y'all drove to Cheyenne for you to enter Cheyenne, what was that, like three <laughs> summers ago? So it was in, it had to be 18, no, I'm sorry, 19, because Ellie was born in 18, and I had not really been roping all that much. Um, babies. I, yeah. We, These so, were not children. These were no, babies. No, they were babies. Um and I got, I, you know, it was the first year they were going to have breakaway rope in it at the daddy. And that's right. That's why we had to do this. Right. We okay. had to do it. It was the first year. And actually, interestingly enough, it was the year that they changed the format and the Bulldoggers kind of went on strike. So yes. Justin wasn't going to Cheyenne. My husband but refuses. I had to go. And so. That's right. Because he wasn't there. Because that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was why like, didn't you just go with your husband? No. Where are you there. at, he man? in Utah. Yes. <laughs> so, um. I had not really been roping all that much, but I was like, man, I got to enter. And so I, um, I tried to enter. I was actually helping with a school, a roping school, um, that didn't have very good service. So I put my dad on it. I said, dad, the books are going to open at 10 o'clock. I need you to get me entered. And in 10 minutes, I think it was actually like eight minutes. They filled the 400 spots and like crashed the website and my dad was like I never knew they were going to fill up that fast but I swear I had your entry confirmed and then it sent like this error message and so he was just distraught that I didn't get in and he called the guy and kind of talked to him showed him where he screenshotted that he tried to enter and it didn't go through and the time stamp on it and so I got put on a wait list and it was like two weeks before Cheyenne and they call me and are like, hey, we had somebody turn out. Do you want to come to Cheyenne? And I was like, uh, he said, I, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I need to know, like, now whether you're going to come. And my horse was fat, turned out. I hadn't roped in gosh knows how long. And so I sat there for a second, and I was like, I don't even care if I fall on my face. Like, I got to go. I want to go to the daddy. I do. I want that back number. I want to go. So I called him back and told him I was going to go. Had no idea how I was going to do it. Um, so the next day I called a guy here outside of Stephenville and asked if I could lease some calves and I drove over here with my three kids and my fat yellow horse with a stock trailer and leased a bunch of calves, roped for pretty much two weeks straight every day here. My grandma would get up and come work shoots for me before the kids woke up because at the time I had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a five-year-old and so we would go rope before they got up and then I would, you know, work and take care of them throughout the rest of the day. And then about a week before we were supposed to leave, it kind of hit me that 
like I didn't really have anywhere for everybody to stay and you know hotel rooms were sold out Justin wasn't there there's nobody that's gonna let me take three kids with us and um, my so I asked my grandma if she would go with me and I went and bought <laughs> Justin was so mad at me Oh, the trailer. That's what, yeah. I, I like just went and bought a living quarters horse trailer. <laughs> a 16 foot living quarters, um, four horse trailer. And for years he had been wanting to buy one and I wouldn't let him, but I had to have one to go to Cheyenne. So I went and bought this trailer. And um, I still love the trailer. But I asked my grandma if she would go with me to help watch the kids. So she loaded up. She had my pop feed all her horses, which was a big deal because she likes to make sure that everything is fed correctly and going well. And so she loaded up with me. We made the, the, the trip with all three girls. And then it worked out well because um, I ended up dropping her off at the airport, letting her fly back here. And then I drove out to meet Justin and we stayed out there for a few more weeks with my horse trailer that uh, the AC didn't work in the, middle, in the middle of July. But yeah, that, that, was, that was probably one of the most memorable trips of my life was my gram going with me and it was, it was a very selfless thing of her to do because she was old. I mean, she's, I hope she doesn't listen to this and get offended, but she was old. Like she had no business <laughs> yes, going, that's exactly. you know, jumping in the truck and going up there with me, but she did and she wrangled all the girls and it, it was it was a really 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 fun fun trip. Well, and also the yellow horse. You said that horse. So actually, it's like a gift, right? So the yellow horse um, that I roped on at Cheyenne, he was Justin's um, that Justin had got as payment. He was a weanling, and Justin got him as payment for working one summer for his grandpa. Him and maybe two more horses. I can't remember how many were in this deal. Um, but he ended up, his good horse got hurt, and so he had kind of been training the yellow horse. He was three at the time, but, like, kind of needed him to step up because, you know, he needed something to rope on. So he started roping on him at these, ro uh, you know, rodeos, high school rodeos and stuff, and I saw him and fell in love with him. And really just, cute. He's, he is the most adorable paladin horse you've ever seen in your life. And now the girls ride him. Yep. So I actually, I roped on him my senior year at state because um, I really didn't have anything to rope on. And then he, the first year we were dating, gave him to me for Christmas. And I roped on him all through college and amateur rodeoed on him a little bit. Um, and then after Cheyenne was kind of the time where I was like, all right, he's kind of paid his dues. Um, and Blakely started riding him and doing really well on him. So now that's Blakely's horse. So he kind of went from Justin's horse to my horse to now Blakely's horse. And actually, Ellie's been riding him a lot lately, which is funny because he kind of used to be, he was never like all over the place. He was always extremely broke, which was why I wanted my kids to ride him because I knew if they pick up their hand, he's going to stop. If they point in one direction, he's going to go. So, um, but he was a little bit of a crackhead like he would, would just like jig jog places um but he he is perfect for them and it, it's it's very very sweet to see them ride him now so as far as horses now and what you're doing now what is like your program what is your end goal are you just doing this because now you can and it's like a lost love that you're getting back to or are you doing it because it's actually like paying some of your bills or are you just doing it because it's just like something 
Yeah, because you just want to. A little bit of everything. So, um, several years ago, I had... Because we are now in the era of breakaway ropers. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is awesome. Like, the breakaway roping is amazing. I've got one out there that I beg every day to quit running barrels. When I I graduated high school and my dad wanted me to play golf, I wanted to play golf. You know, I would go back and forth. I want to breakaway rope, I want to play golf, which I did everything. I ran barrels, poles, goats, tied it, or breakaway roping, team roping. I did tie down ropes a few times at the WCRA finals, but that's for a different podcast. I've seen you stair wrestle, <laughs> oh actually, gosh. so that's a very different podcast, that's actually. That's a very different one. That's an after dark podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, so um, I, I've always loved breakaway roping, but there was a time when my dad was like, okay, Katie, you know, I get that you love breakaway roping and you're good at it, but there's, where are you going to go with it? After college, what what is there to do? I mean, you could go to well, and at the time you couldn't. You couldn't, and so it it was it was kind of crazy. Like he was like, "What are you gonna do with it?" And well, not to mention your dad literally sells racehorses for a living. So yeah, they you could have a really nice barrel horse probably. I tell him all. So my dad, just a side note and kind of a plug, and I'm proud of him. He they had a sale a few a few weeks ago or maybe this last week that they sold seventy million worth of horses. In one weekend. Insane. It's, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, we just like to go be a fly on the wall. Oh, my gosh. It is fun. It's fun to watch them go through the ring, and it's fun to see um, to see what they do. And actually, I made um, an incorrect statement. They sold 90000 worth, not seventy. So Wait, 1000 or million? $90 million, I'm sorry. Okay. $90 million, um, worth of horses. So he, he definitely, he's not That's no talent. That's in Ocala, where they live now. Um, he works at Ocala Breeder Sales. Sorry if I missed all that. Um, but he's he's a very intelligent man, and he was in no way trying to be discouraging. He was just giving me, you know, my options. Um, and so for a long time, you know, breakaway open wasn't in the picture. Well, then obviously when it blew up and they started pro rodeo, rodeo and I was like, man, I need to get on the road. And, you know, life and momhood and everything else was like, no, you're not going on the road. Um, Okay, but, and I meant to say this while ago after the whole Cheyenne thing. That is one of my favorite things, though, about when you jump in the truck and enter Cheyenne when maybe you have no business doing it. But it's like, that's the example in a rodeo wife and mom that these three girls need to see. Yeah, Take a chance. Right. And, 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 and I, I, so I love, And life is too short. It is. Get it in the really truck is. and go. Yes, absolutely. And so kind of my get in the truck and go moment after that, I realized it wasn't just, I couldn't go on the road. And not only, we could make it work, and Justin is 100% willing to try to make it work. I, I don't know if my dream, it would be really cool if I made the finals be really cool if I won the world. It'd be really cool to have all the success. I don't know if what I truly want in life is that. I want to be a, I want to be a good mother, and for me to be a good mother, I, I am not capable of doing that. Um, there are lots of really, really good moms out there that are doing it, and, and they're doing it true. well. Yes. And I just, I'm not capable of it, or at least not right now where I'm at. Um, and it's not something I'm willing to sacrifice my time with my kids with, um, because I love other sports too. I love watching them play softball and t-ball and baseball. So my kind of happy medium there or where I could feel my wins 
without going and actually winning a rodeo was to train breakaway horses. And I didn't really know this. Which again, now is easier for you to do because you live right here in the land of jackpots. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I actually told Jill Tanner the other day, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get used to waking up, taking my kids to school, being able to go to a slack for an amateur rodeo and coming back before the kids get out of school. It's awesome. It's amazing. but yeah, so I um, saw a horse on Facebook and was like, she is hideous, but I like the way she's bred, so I'm going to buy her. And I asked how much they wanted for her, and they wanted too much money for her. There was no way I'd pay it. And so I left it alone. I didn't even respond. And this poor girl had a conversation with herself until she had herself talked down to, I had to give it for her, like, even if it didn't work. And so I bought this mare and camped out on her for about a year and actually ended up making a really cool horse out of her. Um, and I actually sold her um, to some friends of ours in Florida, um, but they had bought a couple other horses at around the same time and their daughter is actually in medical school. She's going places. She She's the one that's gonna be able to afford all these nice I horses that, say, I can, that I yeah. can't afford to keep. It's nice to have customers like but that she, um, But she had bought a couple other horses and. Um, didn't doesn't really have time to ride all of them so she sent me back the mare um who is now for sale if anybody needs an open level breakaway horse but she um (laughs) she's been a blessing to our family i got to take her to um the bonus breakaway world final derby and won the derby on her um placed really well at her at the breakaway fraternity um in abilene the roping fraternities of america um it was really cool and then I actually found um, when we moved to Heiko, I had a box that was a was a box that my sister-in-law had given to me that was a um, bucket list box. And in the bucket list box was a note that said, train a horse that you win money on. And it was kind of a humbling moment for me because I was like, holy crap, I did, I did it. it. You know, I did it. Um, and so I, I actually really enjoy riding colts. Um, and learning from Justin. Justin's extremely good at riding young horses. Um, so patience, I, that patience. Man, that patience. That, that's <laughs> yes. And um, so I get my little wins by seeing young horses progress in the roping pen. Um, and then I feel really good about it when I get to go rope on them, but also feel really good about it when they get sold or go back to where they are. And I don't know. I really, I really, really enjoy it. Um, it doesn't seem to have quite as many lows as being on the breakaway, you know, road, <laughs> going the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's definitely hard with Justin gone when I have a lot going on, but it's it helps. I do better when I stay busy. So I have, you know, my road in the fields, and I have my hairpin trucking, and I have my training colts, and I have my kids that are in sports, and I have my garden. But it sure helps time oh, go yes, back. You in this garden. My garden. <laughs> my well, and we were kind of talking about this earlier, but influences in both of y'all's lives that have contributed to your careers, like people that like you're gonna look back on and be like, My career would not have been the same had I not had this person for both of y'all. There is so many people. Um, one person that sticks out in particular 
there would be a few for Justin. He has so many people that he is very, very close with and has built such great relationships with that um, Danny Step was who he trained horses under. Um, and oh, and he's so nice. He is so nice. I love Mr. Dan. We call him Gramps. Gramps and Gigi. His wife, I, if you ever meet his wife, you will be in love with her. She is just a ball of energy, hardworking, and has amazing turquoise all the time. But her, I don't need to know that. I know. Um, but Danny Step, he um, was who Justin trained horses with for several years, helped him learn a bunch, um, and still, if Justin ever has any questions or just wants to talk something out, he's able to call him. Um, Rope Myers is who taught Justin how to bulldog, and one cool thing about Rope is that he also is very heavy on your faith, and I feel like had we not had his influence, so I, I think a little bit of the draw to him for Justin was bulldogging, obviously, but it's more than bulldogging, you know. Whenever he was there at Rope, he was learning so much about God and his faith and his journey and his walk, and he um, he actually did a master's class with Rope. Rope teaches a thing called, it's called master's class, and he actually has a couple men come in here and do it with him, um, but it's basically like a mental game class, but it's not necessarily a class that is focused you obviously will take it to help your profession but it's focusing on making good men out of people to where they are good men to their community good men to their wives good men to their family um and then being a good man that will reap the lord and, and be successful because of how they live their life and how they go after their goals and um, how they prioritize things in their day to achieve those goals. So one of the things that he said that's not necessarily related to bulldogging, but that was really neat to me was not lying to yourself. And, and you have, he talks about in a book um, called The Inner Game of Tennis that you have like a self one and a self two. And I can't remember from the top of my head which self this is, but Part of yourself is always talking down like oh I wonder if I can do that no you can't do that you're not capable of doing that or you know oh remember the last time you did that and you fell on your face and so he was really focused on focused on shutting that voice down and for him again going back to the truth um, for him it was okay what's the first lie you tell yourself every day and the guys are like well I don't know you know whatever and he said it's probably whenever you set your alarm for 6 a.m. and then you press snooze oh okay and he was like, well, you told yourself the night before when you went to bed you were going to wake up at 6 a.m. And your morning self said, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. And holding yourself lie. accountable. Oh, man. And so that class helped a bunch just to kind of like see things from an omniscient point of view. Like Justin was able to kind of look at his life and be like, okay, what are some things I can be better and do better at? Which directly goes hand in hand with his personality because he's always wanting to do better, be better, do whatever he can to help his family, help himself. Um, so it was a good class for him. And then we're blessed to know Rope pretty personally as a family friend. And he has just spoke a lot of love and guidance into our lives um, just as far as like making sure that we're honoring each other and honoring God and putting our family first above bulldogging. That's probably, I mean, obviously our families. I mean, Mike and Jerry and my mom and dad and 
all of our siblings. We, we really do have the best support system that constantly offer guidance. My grandma, she feeds every single one of our horses morning and night. We can offer all we want to help and she won't accept any help. So she's, she's been a big influence in our life right now as far as maybe not guidance, maybe not, you know, maybe not offering insight on what we're doing, but she, she helps tremendously with taking care of the horses and helping take care of the kids. And she just makes life way easier. And she's 80 years old and 90% blind doing it. <laughs> she, she, um, but she, she's amazing. Um, but yeah. Cowgirls have always been our heroes. Y'all be sure and go check out 3palominos.com for all of your graphic tea needs. Okay, so the other day, none of y'all know this, but Katie and I have hours and hours and hours of Snapchat and what is it called? Marco, Marco Polo conversations because we can't actually call each other and speak on the phone because we have like a million things to do all day. But we managed to literally Snapchat all day, every day, all day, pretty much every day, which it's really funny because we'll do that for like months and then we'll go for like two <laughs> weeks of not speaking. Like, if we were, like, people that were looking for snap streaks, we would do awesome, and then it would be like, oh, they hate each other now. <laughs> oh, what like, happened? We haven't spoken in two weeks. But um, the other day, we were talking about cycles. So, like, how, how I mentioned earlier with the cycles of me and Justin and what we went through with rodeo and our marriage and... And I feel like I keep harping on this, but I, I do feel like, you know, the premise of this is, you know, rodeo wives, and, and it is our life. But I went from, you know, okay, we're married. Okay, uh, how is this going to work? Kind of try to figure it out. Well, then, you know, it, it starts feeling pretty good, and then it's to, okay, um, I need you to change for us to continue to be happy. And for us to be able to grow, I need you to make these changes um, for me and our family and so Justin makes those changes and then we grow and we evolve and then we get to a point to where it's like okay now um, what's my identity in this and, and Justin too he he was tying a lot of his identity to his performance um, rather than being like process oriented or worrying about what he was doing in, in, in with his family and how he was bettering himself as a competitor and a person so we address all that, you know, I, I decide I need to do my own thing um, hand, hand in hand with him and, you know, doing it alongside him, but not, not. Well, and it's the lifelong battle of, well, if I get this, I'll be happy. Right. If I do this, I'll be happy. Right. And then it just goes and it, goes and it's goes. Just, it, once you get that, it's another thing that yeah. fills that spot. Um, and so then we evolve and we you know find our identity first in christ and knowing that you know we're children of god and we're perfect in his image and you know we're created for the time that he put us in and we create we're created to be where we're at and be around the people we're at and influence the people we're with and to be influenced by the people we're with and so then you know the cycle changes a little bit and everything is great justin's doing all the right things he's saying all the right things he's doing all the right things he's being a good man and a good father and a good competitor, I mean, winning money, you know, we're paying the bills, we're doing better than ever, and still 
there was a part of me that just wasn't satisfied and I would get so angry and unfortunately I would take a lot of that out on him because it must be him right because he's not here he's not present it's it's him um and so then again we sit down and we look at the truth in the situation okay is it really him and there was things that I, I would say things to him expecting, like, we went through some stuff in October um, personally, and I, I was expecting for him to take away a lot of pain that I had, and, like, he would say all the right things, and he would say what I expected him to say, and it still didn't take away the pain, and he would do all these things, and it just never, you know, filled the void of what I needed or wanted, and I was like, okay, you know, is this, is this because... I'm not supposed to be married to him, and of course I'm crazy about him, so it obviously wasn't that. And so one day I was sitting there working in my office, and I hear God tell me, he's like, it's because you're asking him to do things he's not created to relieve you of. You're asking him to do what you should be asking me to do. You should be coming to me with your heartache, and you should be coming to me with your problems, and you should be coming to me with even your the joys of your life, and coming to me first, not your husband first. Um, and that's hard because you, you, you should honor your husband before your children, but not before God. And it's really easy, especially when he's doing everything right, to just expect him to do all these things. So I did. I texted him, and I was like, hey, I owe you. It, was, he, it took him way by surprise because he was like, oh, crap, what did I do? Because I texted him. I was like, hey, I owe you an apology. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, what kind of trap are you trying to set yeah, for me? Happening? What's going on here? And I was like, no, I, I owe you an apology because I have been expecting you to do these things that that you no man can can handle or no man can relieve me of. It's it's something I needed to go to God to. Um, and that was huge for our relationship. And I think it was huge for him to hear that and know, okay, even if I am doing everything wrong, right, I can't do everything. And I think it took a large weight off his shoulders because he always felt like he had to and to do everything, meaning like, you know, I've got to rodeo and do it well. I've got to be a good dad. I've got to be a good husband. i got to say the right things. i got to be here. i got to be there. i got to, you know, do all these things. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, as a rodeo wife, you're like, well, what do you have to do? You know, you're yeah. on the road. And there is some truth to that. There's some, they have downtime. They can nap, but they also have... 14-hour drives, and they have a lot of things to do out there, and I was actually talking to Alex Hasp about this the other day, like, there are times where I just feel sorry for him, because there's times when my kids aren't fighting, and everything is harmonious, and they're doing really cool things, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish that he could be here to see You're this. missing it. Yeah. yeah, you're missing it, um, and he feels that, and it breaks my heart probably more than anything to know that he feels that. And know that he is trying, he's torn between. I say it's guilt and being sad, not being there in that moment. Right. And then what are you supposed to do? Just give up your dreams? Yeah. And I think that's our job as rodeo wives and, and the commitment we've made to our husbands and the commitment we've made when we talked about, okay, we're going to do this full time. It's saying, okay, when he feels like giving up after he's put in hours and hours and hours of work. It's our job to step in and say, okay, is this what's best for our family? For you to pause, for you to quit, for you to keep going, and you know. And it's really easy in the really hard moments to be um, like, give it up. Well, it's just really easy, and it's 
unfortunate that it's this easy in the really hard moments, which usually happens, you know, in the middle of the summer when they are in the oh thick God. of it, and then your kids do do really cool fun, something cool, and you're like, oh, well, guess what you missed today? Or when they're all hanging from the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and cutting their hair and sticking gum in places it shouldn't be and painting the sidewalks with... Yes, and it's like you just want to scream. Yes. Yes. It is, it's in... So it, I think that's one of the coolest things about being a rodeo wife is. But she, then it's they're like, why are y'all so crazy? Because it's like you'll call them and crying and screaming in those moments. And be like, no, for a week there. at a time, and then the next week it's like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine us not doing this. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's what kills Justin. He's like, okay, I'll be done. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, you like, gotta you're stay so out there. crazy. <laughs> but we are because. And I think because we're so passionate about what they're doing, and then, and then also, it's hard not to want to cheer for somebody who is so passionate about what they're doing. And it's hard, you know, to see somebody that's so good at it too and not cheer for them. And sure, and I think that's a, as women too, you know, we're gonna put everybody before us always. So if there's somebody, you know, if, especially somebody you love is successful and is doing what they love, I'll, I'll sacrifice anything any part of the day to make sure that they're getting to chase their dreams. And again, it's important, I think, for our girls to see that. Oh, absolutely. Like, you, what well, you just, yeah, it is, it just is. But yes, we are crazy too, it's fine. I know, he tells me every day. <laughs> um, the other day you said something about y'all decided to, at some point, start building wealth. How exactly are you building wealth and rodeoing at the same time? Mm -hmm. Because I just am so curious. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know how to do it's that. It's really like a 240-year dream we have <laughs> that eventually we will have. We'll build wealth. No, we, um, we. So, like I said, we took that Dave Ramsey class, and we kind of. And I mean, I like Dave Ramsey. There's some things that, like, he talks about. I feel like I pick and choose. Exactly. You him. have to with him, especially with how our lives work, that we don't have, you know, like a steady paycheck. Um, for me, so I, one of my goals, kind of like how we touched on earlier, was to make sure I could cover pretty much all the bills with my income, which, you know, as we get, our family grows and we get older and we, you know, gain more responsibilities, it gets a little bit more difficult. Um, but for the most part, I can kind of try to get those bases covered. And then another thing we'll do is, um, it's, we've, Justin and I have talked about it several times before, but it's kind of funny. Like when we were going to buy a new truck, it was like, we couldn't fathom the idea of making this extra truck payment and somehow we just make it happen. So what we started doing was whenever we would, um, buy anything, finance anything, um, we would just kind of round up to a pretty like a, what we knew we could probably you know make so if the if we had a payment that was eight hundred dollars a month we would round it up to a thousand or eleven hundred a month and pretty soon that pay gets paid off really really fast because you're not paying interest on that extra money mm -hmm. that you're paying every month um and then we set it up on auto draft so you actually for me i actually forget what the original payment was supposed to be a month because we just automatically have it rounded up to a certain number. Um, ideally, when we get done with paying a bill or paying something off, we'll do it, we'll call a debt snowball and take that amount and just add it to the payment of something else. So we're still, you know, paying the same amount every month, 
out of our pockets, but now we've already had this item paid off and we're working on paying this other item off and it'll obviously get paid off significantly faster because you're at that point doubling or maybe even tripling your payment because of how much you, you're paying towards that. Um, we are blessed with really good sponsors. Um, and so we are utilizing those and cultivating those relationships too. And really we, both Justin and I, are very adamant about making sure that our sponsors have what they need from us. You know, we don't want just a handout and we don't want, um, we don't want to just be able to say, you're sponsoring us because we've had the success. We want to be good people that support the brand, that use the brand, um, that they can be proud of. And that way we don't feel as much guilt either whenever we've got certain bills paid or, you know, fees, whatever. Um, and then now that we don't have to spend money on those items, we got to be responsible with what that money would go to. And so then we start talking about, you know, a savings account. I have a couple different accounts. Um, I would love to try to invest in some things. Um, we have a, like a small account that um, we invest in different things. It's on an app, it really, and it's nothing, you know, super important. It's just, you know, we put a couple hundred dollars in there and we watch the stocks go up and down and whatever. And we have no idea what it means, but we watch our money go up and down and up and down. And so far we haven't lost anything. So um, I would love to get better at investing in investing and stuff. Um, so far, our biggest investment, which is kind of funny because it doesn't feel like it should be a very good investment, is horses. We Justin's so talented, um, and I feel like he and I make a pretty good team that we're able to take some horses that we can buy pretty cheap and turn them around pretty fast. Um, so when we sell a horse, we'll try to put that money away and not touch it um, and let, you know, continue paying our bills with either rodeoing or mount money or my jobs so that um, we don't have to touch that money. And then it's kind of a nest egg. And I think, I don't know if it's the most foolproof plan, but it's certainly what has helped us the last couple years. And I'm sure we'll learn more and I'm sure there's different things that we could do and I'm sure there's things we're doing wrong. But for us, that's kind of our plan to continue to build wealth and, and try to save money so that, you know, we're not just rodeo and broke every year and wondering how the heck we did it the next. Dude, I, yeah, I hear you. Which it still kind of feels like that. Like yeah, all the I, time. I feel pretty confident about what we got in the bank, and then I think about the summer run, and I'm like, yeah. We thought about going out with Justin this year, and I, I, I'll be honest, I'm like, I just, I really like where we're at financially, and I don't know. It always feels better to I, be that way. I have great intentions of cooking every night in the trailer, but we all know that's probably not going to work, and it gets expensive feeding a family of five every night. I don't know how some women do go out all summer. Like, I just am not, uh, my brain, number one, I love to go. I love to pick up and go and not think twice about it, and I will do it. Yeah. But I like to come home too. <laughs> Same. And I don't. I just. I, I got I to think of the other day. kids in my yard. Well, that's the thing. I need dogs. I need a little bit of peace. No, yeah. I can't do it. I we if we go out this year, I imagine we'll go out for a couple weeks. Um, but I, you know, what do you do about laundry? 
My oh, kids go no. through clothes so exactly, darn fast. Right? I, there's not enough room for clothes and not enough room for us to take enough to not do laundry three times a week. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to need a trailer with, uh, with the washer and dryer with the washer in it. And dryer in it. Yeah. Definitely. Well, okay, so I think the last thing that I was going to ask you about is, so, you know, Steer wrestlers are not team ropers. We can't do this till we're 80 years old. Mm, poor Justin. He's got an 80-year-old body. How, what is, like, how long are we doing this? And what are you going to do when you can't do this anymore? Well, I feel like know. with steer wrestling, I mean, I feel like in rodeo in general, but I know around my house that, you know, you never stop doing it. No. We have kids at our house on a daily basis that come over and practice or ride horses or whatever from you know and my father-in-law my Cade's uncles and Cade and you know everybody that comes over and I mean it never ends but what do you do when it's like you're done I think so interestingly enough I think it'll be a little bit of weight off of Justin's shoulders when he does get to that point when he can't bulldog anymore like he's too crippled you know can't go consistently because then he'll get to stay home and he'll get to help kids and he'll not that he needs an excuse but then but if there's something telling him he really can't go it won't kill him to not go you know and so in 10 15 20 years whenever that gosh 10 or 15 years he'll be helping kids bulldog hopefully having some schools or something training colts he loves training colts he'll train colts till he's 80 years old i hope um but maybe not you know two-year-old and putting first rides on two-year-olds and stuff but he he'll keep training horses i think once he kind of he he always said that he wanted to make the get one back number in the steer wrestling and then maybe try team roping or calf roping too he'd love to go to the timed event um so maybe he'll end up a little washed up team roper too. I don't know. <laughs> no. But the World Series pays so much. So. They do. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he really, he, we've talked about that because, you know, when you're young and rodeo and too, you have to have that conversation. Like, okay, what happens when we are done? You know, because he doesn't want to rodeo for 20 years and look up and be like, I wasted 20 years of mine and my family's life and we have nothing to show for it. Um, and so I think that's why he's also pretty adamant about building wealth and you know making sure that we're not just losing money every year on his behalf um but i think he'll he'll be training horses training bulldogging horses training colts helping kids for a long long time he'll be like that there's a i think it's at cheyenne there's was it cheyenne or somewhere there's an old man that works the shoots every oh no it's at the bfi or not the bfi but at the lazy e for the timed event I guess they have this old man that's been there every year, and that's that's what he lives for. That'll be Justin with bulldogging. He he lives for it. He eats and breathes it. He'll be old and crippled and in a wheelchair and just yelling at him what to do. Well, I am really grateful for you sitting down with me because I feel like we actually and I we could have gone on for like a long time, but. I am just grateful for conversations like this because, like I said, like we have these conversations all the time, crying, laughing, good days, bad days, like it, it, we, we could just, there are just things that I would never tell to anybody else. <laughs> 
But for me, again, and I mean, I said this in the beginning, for me, it's, and I mean, probably easier for me to say because we both have three girls and I have known you since before you had Lakely. Mm -hmm. But it is just very refreshing to have other women in this same industry that raise their kids the same way. You know, we genuinely are trying to do this for the better of not bettering ourselves, nobody knowing our names, but the validation and like teaching our kids that the end goal has nothing to do with anybody thinking that you're special or you're um, famous. Right. Like, just good people. Yep. You need to be a good the, person. The goal is to love and be loved and and make disciples. That's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in, if you're still here. Thanks for listening for <laughs> an hour and a half. <laughs> but we really could have talked for longer, so, you yeah, know. Yeah, we are welcome. Like, comment, and subscribe if you want more info. Yeah, we could do this. Um, I will say, though, um, and I don't, I, I hesitate whenever I talk about women in rodeo that, you know, ma like, women that have this many kids and you know that's the big picture for them I do have some women coming on this show that have no desire to have children and do this that I think are amazing awesome contributing people for sure that are not doing it for validation either yep. and I'm actually really excited to sit down with those people because that is obviously something that I know nothing about <laughs> we know babies yeah i know babe yeah exactly anyway thank y'all for listening and thank you katie for yeah, doing you. the show hey you guys i hope that y'all enjoyed this episode of the red wine rodeo wife if you knew Katie, you probably already knew a lot of these things and already know what an amazing mom, wife, human that she is. But if you didn't, I hope that her story then, now, and you can tell what's going to happen in the future inspires you and keeps you motivated and truly helps you see the bigger picture. As always, thanks for listening to the Red Wine Rodeo Wife. I appreciate y'all more than you know. See you next time.